the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. <coughs> now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. 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 Welcome Yo. to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosher. I'm sure glad you're back. Thank you. I was tongue-tied last week. Were you? Yeah. That's I almost shocking. had I almost had Will like stop recording and redo it because I just couldn't <laughs> even get the words out of my mouth when you we started. You need the magic of your better half at your side. I think so. I think so. We the, work the right threat as a of, team. The threat of physical violence is always helpful. That's not a funny joke. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. Anyways, thank you for listening and tuning in to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Uh, this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. We have a wonderful two-week detox, or 10 to 12 days, inside St. Joseph's Hospital, downtown Houston, followed with, if you complete our program, there's an opportunity to sign up for up to 24 months of, and you get a prize. of recovery coaching. No, re- If you complete, you get a certificate and a prize. We, they well, pay your gas for a month. No. Oh. Don't lie on the radio, please. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. People will call and say that our radio show said that, and I'll be like, my husband's a liar. Thanks. Oh, what? Yeah. So that's not what happens. But if you do complete our detox program and discharge successfully, you can sign up for two years of aftercare and recovery support, which is so big of what we do that I couldn't even explain it all, but you get free recovery coaching, Christian counseling, forest therapy. Sandwiches. Uh, oh, outpatient ISS for two years. There's there's just alumni events and virtual options, and we have an e-recovery app, and alongside, there's just so much that you can take a part in any of it, whatever works for your schedule. And it's like becoming a part of a, a group a of community. people that are doing the same thing. You don't have to be alone anymore. Right. There's um, a wonderful TED Talk, and I don't say that very often, but there's actually a wonderful TED Talk that... You uh, take them words out your mouth. <laughs> it scratches the surface of the idea that the opposite of addiction is connection. And he does a decent job uh, talking about the rat park and that whole analogy. But I think it goes deeper than what the TED Talk even realizes that mm. the altruism, the selflessness of the community and and, and giving to each other and vulnerability openness. and accountability, yeah. all of that, like the actual connection is the opposite of recovery. Um, but... Um, just saying connection is the opposite of recovery is kind of a blanket statement, but our addiction, kind of a blanket statement, but it's not not true. So anyways, there's that. So if you or a loved one would like any information about our detox and recovery program. Or an unloved one. If you've got one that's become <laughs> unloved, send them our way. Really? Today's going to go like this? Yeah, it's going to be that kind Listen, of day. Listen, Susan, <laughs> oh, get Lord. in the corner. No, I'm trying to give like the stuff so people can look us up and okay, know do your about thing. our business. Apologies. Jeebus. So... Uh, we have a website. You can go to www.mhdrp.org herbert.org, or give us a call, 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. And if you do make a call or a website inquiry, please let them know that you heard about it from Relevant Recovery Radio. And who knows, I might even answer your call. I mean, it's happened. It's happened. Uh, if you are hearing us today, it's Sunday, mm-hmm. 1 p.m. Central in the H-Town. If you're not in Houston, you want to listen to us live on KPRC 950. 
Uh, just go to the iHeartRadio app, and there is a channel for KPRC 950. You can listen to us 1 p.m. Central on Sundays, or just wait till later in the day, and they upload us to a podcast there on iHeartRadio called Relevant Recovery Radio. And if you don't already, please go follow our Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Did you get any weird messages this week on Facebook? Maybe why? Because I told people to last week. People don't listen to you, I but I, there's always some, some not weird, but there's always just some inquiries and reaching out and asking questions and stuff. I told them to ask dumb questions oh. or, or annoy you on there. I wanted to see how many people actually check it out. Anyways, our point is, is if you'd like all the latest updates on Relevant Recovery Radio, no matter what platform we're on or where we're broadcasting, if any of that ever changes, go to Facebook. We're there. Yeah. Um, which segues wonderfully into now, our- How's your week going? What? So you and I are going through a season right now. I want to talk about that for a minute. We're going through a season. So Heather and I went through this period where uh, we both have received promotions in our careers. Yeah. Um, we're I don't going know where to you're going with this. This is scaring me. You're yeah, off script at this point. I know. Well, we're going to we're going through a period where um, our jobs are changing. Everything is kind of changing. Our 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 roles are into more leadership. I say I just say that God's assigning us new roles, different roles, and, and it feels that way. And it wasn't too long ago that it was it was a Sunday morning. Uh, we're just chit chatting before we go to church, and we're literally talking about leadership. Leadership. What does that look like? Um, because for us, it's a fine line between control and leadership. Yeah, really I'm, I'm, my brain is so o- OCD. Like uh, sometimes I think leadership is like dominance, and it's absolutely not. And I've really tried to like take it to God and read and learn a lot about what a good leader or manager or supervisor is, because yeah. I want to do that job well for God and for the people who work with me. Well, and when we're in, in the twelve in the twelve step world, we're taught that one of our issues, one of our problems, one of our is is control. We're control freaks. Yeah. Well, now you place me in a position, and what does that look like? And so we're sitting there chatting before church, and we go to church, and the sermon is on leadership. leadership. It was crazy, <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is so weird. And so we've been kind of going through this. I've, went, I've gone through a couple of months where uh, I've been out of my mind, like out of my mind, like yeah. out of character, out of mind. You've and, been burning the candle at both ends for weeks. And it's... It's been stressful because I'm placed in a position now, happily, I got a promotion, it's great, where I'm having to really double down and use the tools of the 12-step world, the spiritual tools like pauses and um, looking to that power for direction. And I have to, I like to learn about like adequate delegation, you know, like I don't, I've learning, I'm learning that I don't have to do everything, That's but the I, weird have, part, right? I have an amazing team that mm-hmm. works with me and we have an amazing team that have amazing strength. Are you saying that just because they'll be listening? They probably don't listen. I'm that's just true. being honest right now. <laughs> and and so it's an amazing opportunity for me to be like, you know, that's her strength. Let me delegate that to her. Hey, that's his strength. Mm-hmm. Let me delegate that to him. The delegation thing is weird. The delegation thing is weird to go from being a doer to now. Um, and I want to talk about that for a minute when we come back. But like I delegate to you right now that it's always your job to take out the trash. You always. delegated that since day one. I'm just saying, sometimes doesn't always happen. <laughs> Do you hear that silence? <laughs> Do you hear that silence? <laughs> sometimes. Okay, we're going to talk about this for sure when we come back. <laughs> don't go anywhere. We are completely off rails from what we planned, and I don't know why. No, but I'm going to get us back on rails because I'm control freak. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this commercial break. With Relevant Recovery Radio. <laughs>
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie. I'm here with my lovely wife, Heather. Hi. We're, we're talking about life. Talking about... This is why I went into it, Heather, because she's like really... I'm like, where are we going with this? This isn't what we planned. So if you've listened I'm to our show recently... I'm way too rigid to be enjoying this right, right now. Right. I make, I make all <laughs> these jokes about her OCD. And like, you're so spontaneous. It drives me crazy. Rearranging the universe, and I am completely spontaneous. <sighs> so the reason I want to talk about this a little bit today is because it's been huge in our lives. Yeah. And there's so many things that are going on right now within our lives. And, and it, was, I, it was through a conversation with Matt last week. He and I were talking about this a little bit, is how different areas of life will drive you deeper into your spiritual practice, your spiritual journey. Or away from if you don't realize what's happening. Right, if yeah. you're not careful. And so as you and I delve into this new realm in our careers, you have a career now. Which is crazy. crazy. I mean, come on. I was doing heroin and living in a storage unit six and a half years ago. I mean, like I get chills when you say that. I literally just got chills. You literally were living on the streets, panhandling, living mm -hmm. in a storage unit. You had nothing six and a half years ago. And, and that's why it's such a humbling experience to, I don't think what my life is today that I necessarily deserve it, but I think God thinks I deserve it. Otherwise he wouldn't have given it to me. But I think that my role is to be a good steward of whatever he's loaned me, whether that's the people in my life or the fellowship or the job or the employees or my husband, like, like, or even just the income too, like not just financial, everything, everything is on loan from God. And am I being a good steward of what he's loaned me? Cause I can't get in this mindset of this is mine. I've earned it. Well, and it goes toward what you said at the beginning. Anything that you and I have gotten as blessings or favor, I don't know what you want to call whatever you feel comfortable with calling it, fits us to be better service to others, but right? It, and I think on the outside, it looks one way, right? And some people would be like, well, okay, you know, why does God give you that? And because it, we don't deserve it. We don't That's deserve it. That's a great question. That's a great <laughs> right. question. And so it's like, I think to whom much is given, much is expected, Wasn't right? Wasn't that a Spider-Man quote? Yes. Okay. And Iron Man. Okay. Right. And so, like, when God loans me things that, or more things and more things, it's I, not for me. It's it's so God can do work through me Correct. if I am surrendered enough and aware enough. Yeah. And so that's the mentality I try to take into this stuff now. But it it has been a lot of change for us to to separately and together navigate. And so, in my last position in what I do, I'm I'm in I'm in IT. I am uh, I was a network architect, so I, I put together these high level solutions, designs, you drew things pictures. like that. I, that's what everybody you drew jokes very about. Very expensive pictures. Yeah, that's all I know. Um, but in that world, I did it for eight years at the current company I'm at, and so I did it for so long. It started out really gross and chaotic, but then as we got better at it my job got really easy because I'm literally like, they come to me like, hey, here's the solution on a, and, and I go, cool, here's the puzzle pieces out of the air, boom, 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 I build it for you here. I mean, it was just effortless. Later. It's always chaotic in the beginning in any new role. Right. But now I'm in a new role, which me is too. a new position in a new group, <laughs> and I have a completely white canvas, and everything that I'm being asked is completely from scratch. Yeah including what I'm finding is the amount of fear, the amount of fear that is in my world right now. Fear of failure. Paralyzing. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I did not realize that I, I based my value, and, I, and this is operating in the back of your head, right? Not in the front where you know it, it's in the back where you don't. Subliminal. I was placing my value on what I delivered. Yeah. So what I delivered was 
uh, drawings, designs, solutions. It was hands-on. I was a doer. Yeah, and, and in a similar sense, I did too. And in this new role now, what I'm realizing, I may not be delivering specific pictures. Like in your scenario, you're delivering it's like a vision. I'm encouraging a team and delegating things. And, and I ju- I'm just a small part of a greater whole, you know. And and I gotta arrange that, encourage that, foster that so that everybody is happy and productive. Right. And and so in in these in this recent time for me, the the fears that have been hitting me are things like, okay, now that I'm not a doer, I don't have deliverables, where's my value? So that's number one, where's my value? Number two, this is a brand new role at the com- I'm in a very large company. Um, it's a newish group that they're putting together. The role is brand new. And while on one hand it's exciting, I get to decide what this is going to look like. I get input in that. On the other hand, I have no idea what this is going to look like and what I'm supposed to do. And so my boss had told me one thing when we talked. Uh, she, I loved how she said this. She said, uh, we're writing it in pencil for now. Meaning mm. it can be erased, but let's start writing things in pencil and trying it through trial and error, seeing what works or what needs to be adjusted or what needs to be tweaked. Yeah. And we can we can set it in pen later. We we both have very good managers, very encouraging. Yeah. But so okay, so I'll give you one I'll give you an example, a clear example and of And then we're like, gonna talk about our topic today. Where, where panic because I'm, cause I'm I will panicked get, right now because I will get the topic. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I'll get these like moments of fear where I literally feel it in my skin. Mm-hmm. It's like a zap. Um, that happens to me when I burn myself with the curling iron. <laughs> it's like a zap that goes through my whole body and it flushes hot. When we get home, I'm burning you with a curling iron. <laughs> Every person that's burnt themselves with a curling iron knows exactly what I'm talking about. So we're about to do this really giant move in technology that's going to take the next 18 months, two years. And we're having to gather a lot of data really quickly. we got to be done with it by April 15th. And so my boss's boss is like, how are you going to do it? I want to see it. I want to see your timeline. He go- And he said this to me. So first, I kind of fought the idea of an actual timeline. And then he says, no, no, I'm doing this for you. Because if you get it as a plan down on paper, you're going to feel better. Yeah, yeah. So I present this picture, this sort of charted timeline. And he goes, I like it. Now add this and this. Mm-hmm. Well, when I go to add that, it kind of changes. So I kind of changes the whole drawing up. And I go to present it again, and he goes, this is not what I'm looking for. And I got that sheer panic, like, oh, no, I have failed. Yeah. I failed. He now knows that I'm a fraud, and I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Right? And so he's like, no, I liked you had it linear. It was simple. Just add those things in. So I go back, and I redid the entire thing the other night when I was sitting on the couch, right? And you're like, It's late at night, Sunday night, and I'm like, why are you working? Right. With your bad boundaries? So I did that. But these are the things that are going on. Um... If I'm a leader in this, what does that look like when I go to a group and I'm I'm going, hey guys, here's what I need out of you. And they're, like, they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm having to learn now how to be relational. Yeah, I'm having to learn how to, in the middle of the day, pause, like literally stop and say, okay, God, I don't have the answer here. Yeah, and and I need direction. I'm having to. I've probably called my sponsor more in the last two months than I've called Good. him in the last. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I love it when you call your sponsor. But it's literally these are the things that are because you've had some of the same frustrations as well. Maybe you oh. can't be as transparent about yours because this show is paid for by the company <laughs> you work for. No, I'm just saying a lot of character defects crop up when change happens. Now, right. on one hand, I love change, but on the other hand, there's there's you fears that crop up. Hate change. No, no, I like change. I like different. That's why I love staying in a hotel. 
Like, I don't care if I've never been there before. I like yeah. different, right? Yeah. It's why I get different husbands. This is why there's just a cycle <laughs> about my life. But I, but there's other ways that I don't like change. But it's exciting. It's something new. It's something that me and God and my management team, we, we get to figure out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's more chaotic and, and more in pencil and not, you know, rigid like my brain likes. Right. But it's something new and challenging that in a year or two we'll get there and we'll develop this. Well, and I think, so you, you were looking at me like a crazy person when I just jumped into this. And I think where it's coming up is this. You need to write some inventory. I've been You're avoiding at this. it by sharing it on the radio show instead. <laughs> right. Just going to talk about it, not work on it. I'm You're coming just going to process that. I'm coming up on a milestone, it. right? So we're, what, month and a You're half away from? You're 10 years sober. Right. And my point is this, that at 10 years sober, I have... And I believe worked this program well for a majority of the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> I hate you. And so through that time, you would think that things get better. You got no worries. You got no nothing. And yet here again. So I think what it is, is life throws you curveballs that drive you back into the work again. Yeah. Back on task, back on using the tools, back in disciplines. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of been the same for both of us. And it was almost like, all these weird things were happening around us as we're getting these promotions and God's like, cool, it's time to go deeper. It's time to, you know what I mean? Hone those skills. I do. And if we weren't fixing to go to commercial break, I'd have something longer to say about this, but. We can hit it probably when we get back. So don't go anywhere okay. as I drive my wife crazy with this completely <laughs> random topic. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Donnie, with co-host, uh, secondary host, Heather Mosier. Sure, we'll go with that, because I'm humble. <laughs> Going to get a vanity plate for that my was... car that just says humble. With a hard H. <laughs> no, but I was thinking about something as you were talking before we went to the last break. Uh, I was just speaking to someone last night mm -hmm. about this sort of thing. Um, and what that, she's a member of the fellowship with us and in sobriety, and she's coming up on one year sober. And uh, so, this, the, why she was reaching out to me was because something had happened the night before with an old drunk friend reaching out and inviting her somewhere. And she found herself with those fleeting thoughts that happened longer than she was comfortable with. Mm. And, and even even that uncomfortableness, she didn't go drink or anything, but even that uncomfortableness was still with her the next morning. For several hours. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, what is this? And, you know, reached out to people. And I was glad she called. Because I said, I've experienced that multiple times. And I was kind of telling her that in the 12-step world, the patterns that I kind of see with some people is people get squirrely at one year, at five years, and at 10 years. And probably at 15, 20. Probably, you know, right. probably like every five years. We don't know because they don't stick around long enough to see. But A lot of people I'm do. I'm kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> um, so I'm just saying I'm only six years and I've seen that in the time that I've been here. Yeah. And in the 12-step world. And I also had the thought to drink just so I didn't have to get on a podium and talk to people because I was so self-obsessed with how I was going to sound. I didn't want to speak in front of people. I was telling her, I was like, you probably can't imagine this, <laughs> but right. six years ago, I was so 
afraid of what everybody thought of me and so full of myself, self-obsessed and, and fear of public speaking that I couldn't share in meetings, much less get in front of people and talk. And now we can't and, shut you and up. And now that's what I do for a living right. and for free and for anyone that'll listen to me. Right. And so God and I outgrew that and it took some stuff. But my point is, is that when I was five years sober and when you were five years sober, the different timelines for us, we experienced something where the options were drink again, end my life, or really find a new reliance on God and grow spiritually. Yes. And so those are those three options when you're at that fork in the road. And and those are painful growth painful periods. Painful growth now, periods. Now, I think you and I are at a soft growth period right now. I do, too. I think that it's soft for now. And, yeah. you know, when you were five years sober and what was going on with you, and you didn't realize you were very close to a drink. And mm-hmm. when I was five years sober, I had a surgery. And even though I didn't get anything controlled, no narcotics, it still messed with me because of my allergy. Right. Because I'm a drug addict. And it really put me in a bad spot for at least 10 days, if not two weeks. Um, and I bought everything. And it, you had to take Amazon away from me. And I changed our energy <laughs> providers. And I was just out of my mind. But I, but, And we have a friend who recently, a few weeks ago, uh, had a, a mistake with some medicine that triggered her allergy. And for days, she felt completely disconnected from God. Right. And what I'm saying is, is when we're in these spots and it's under the disguise of both of us getting random promotions at the same time. It's funny how something that looks so good can have some. But what it is, is, okay, God's saying, how are you going to walk through this with me? It's time to grow grow spiritually. And that's exactly what I was telling the girl last night. I said, those thoughts, the, if they mess with you longer, those fleeting thoughts become uncomfortable. You better work with somebody. Then you better work with another alcoholic instead. You better find some selfless, inconvenient things for you to do to seek God, because all that is is red flags that we're spiritually off somewhere. Yeah. And so when I get in fear with my job or the role I've done, or if people are proud of me, or if my parents are proud, I'll, I know that's really coming from a spiritual deficit right. that only God can fix in me. So me and God better work on it. Right. Right. No. And and so that's the way I'm looking at all of this is that I am completely out of the comfort zone that I had created for eight years. For eight years, I was the master of my domain. I knew exactly what needed to happen, how to happen, who to work with, how to work with them. And that happens a lot, by the way, with men, alcoholic, workaholics, even if they're not alcoholic, I dare say, right? Do you but, think I'm a workaholic? But I'm saying there's certain people who get pride from accolades or from titles or from how respected they are in their work community. Oh, I know. I think I was completely complacent will, and comfortable. But that will particularly <laughs> happen with people who are workaholics. I'm not saying yeah. you're a workaholic, yeah. but this had been a complacency. And this is exactly what I was talking oh, to her last the value. night. You're, they're placing, placing the, the value of themselves okay. on XYZ. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And yeah. so I was telling her last night that alcoholics that we see that relapse, they slide off the top, meaning they relapse when things are look good yeah, yeah, because they think I got this and all that. And it's really red flags for some spiritual growth needs to happen. God's trying to take you to different. God's trying to take me and you separately to different levels yeah. in our spiritual walk. It's It's been a weird thing. So I think you'll agree, even on the radio, that over kind of the last two and a half I years. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> that like, disagree completely. That there has been a conviction in my heart to watch my language. Right, yeah. and I've struggled on and off, and I've done well, and I've done bad. Right, whatever. And you'll say that there, I've had a conviction about vaping. Uh, newsflash: I still vape nicotine, and I didn't at one point. I was nicotine free for a year. God and I whacked that spiritual mold down, and then uh, we had a mistake with a flavored cigar, and here I am again. Right, and 
I feel convicted about that, and you feel convicted about your well, language. And, and so what I mean, so here's where I was going with that, though, is that um, in the last two months, and you've been at home, you work at home a lot of times with me, and you've heard me. My language has been foul. My attitude has been foul. I will agree with you on that. I've had, and it's, but it's literally like getting online on a meeting with the boss and commiserating and gossiping and character assassinating and cursing. It's got, it got really gross for a bit of time because uh, I was under. Character defects were coming out. I was under so much fear. This is what I'm realizing is that since this promotion, I've been in a lot of fear that wasn't apparent and in my face, but it's always operating below the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, how, okay, if I'm afraid on how the big boss looks at my, you know, statuses or how I'm leading or like, how I do I- I get what you're saying, but what I'm trying to say is it's not even about the jobs or our careers. You had the same fear when you got out of the motorcycle club. Yeah. Like your your identity, your labels are attached to things. And for some people, it's like their mental health diagnoses. Yeah. They become so attached to who they think they are or their labels that they get in around fear anytime that's threatened or changed or different instead of letting God develop them. Right, right, right. I, I don't know. Character I wanna, development is uncomfortable 100% I want, of the time. <laughs> but I want to argue that, but I guess to a certain extent, it's probably correct. I want to argue that I get identity from work because I'm definitely a work-life balance guy. I'm definitely... Says the guy doing work on Sunday night. Well, I mean, sometimes you got to. You got to step up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. But sometimes I'm, I answer phones if it's clients, yeah. So sometimes... But, okay, so for the most part, I think you would agree that I'm a work-life balance guy and I don't place my value on work, but I guess I do at some point if this new uncomfortable position, this undefined... Like, I have this giant pile of sand... And it's supposed to, to be whatever. A, it's supposed to be a sandbox, but they're like, but you need to put the rails in and make it a box, and you're going to have to figure that but out. But it's like what I always say when when it comes to the development of my character through the course of my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about me, Heather, as a ten thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, right? I'm a ten thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, and it's all shades of like blue and purple. That's our, that's our marriage. <laughs> right? You got to figure it out. This so, is real. This is not like... All I'm saying is that God doesn't give us all the pieces at once, right. ever. Right. And what I'm saying is, as God and I have developed my character in different chunks of my life, at different trials that I'm going through so that he can refine my character and learn from, mm-hmm. he's given me two or three pieces of the puzzle at a time. Right. And I'm like, cool, where do these pieces go? What is the role that God's assigned me? Yeah. Where am I getting in my own way? Where is my selfishness cropping up? Where am I using character defects to protect myself or my pride or my ego? And, and so then you got to figure out where those pieces get placed, right? But over time, it's like me and God think, okay, I think maybe I have the border in place. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe I have the border. I still have no clue what, what the whole picture is. What spiritual tools are you using to do that? Like well, You'd have to give me a specific scenario for me to tell you. Well, okay. So what this has really been driving me to do more of is pause mm-hmm. during the day. Um, when I get that that shift or that slam of emotion that is fear or whatever to stop like recognize it first that it's yeah. fear. Awareness it, is half the battle sometimes. And I think if I was to simplify my answer to you, what mm-hmm. do I do about it? The way I look at it is my brain, my selfishness, my self-centered behavior. I'm OCD with rigid behavior and black and white thinking. Oh, girl. You know what? Use the rest and of the show and just talk about I that. Like we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> my boss would love it. I love how she tries to deal with me because she's like, okay, Heather, just don't be rigid today. You know, like she's just so mindful of how I am. But because of that, 
the mindset that I have to take is Mm -hmm. I don't get to decide the direction of the wind. That's not my job. My job is to adjust the sail to God's wind. Yeah. But God may use my boss or my job or my fellowship or my parents or my friends or my husband to change the wind. Right. Right. I'm just in charge of setting the sail to the wind to keep going in a forward progressive motion. There is something about going with the waves. Going with it. Roll with it. I go into work and I know that the waves are all going to be going from left to right all day long and I plan my day around it. And within an hour of being there, they've shifted to the other direction. And can I go with it? And sometimes that has to happen. And and the more I fight that, the more I fight to get my own way. I'm burning up energy foolishly and I'm exhausting myself when really I could just be more flexible and go with it. It's not the end of the world for the plan to change. When do you want to start doing that? Next week. Okay. Well, not this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about some specific tools that we use to combat this fear, this uncomfort. Uh, in our daily lives in the guise of recovery. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant (laughs) Recovery Radio with host Heather and Donnie Mosier. You hate my pause. I hate it. hate it so much. I'm rigid. And this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. If you are a loved one would like any information about our detox or our aftercare and recovery support program, give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673 or visit mhdrp.org. And something you never talk about, but something I think is relevant, if you or a loved one needs treatment, there's a lot of treatment centers out there, whether detoxes or 30-day, whatever, that take specific insurance. Mm -hmm. Matthew's Hope takes it all. If it's valid in the state of Texas, we take it. That's beautiful. And even if it's Medicaid or Medicare. And but we're not a residential rehab. Right. We are a ten to fourteen day detox. Yeah. Medical so detox. So if you are so, if you are a loved one or an unloved one uh, yeah. needs help. So we take all Texas oh, yeah. insurances, even some out of state, you can call the phone number, they can verify. Well, well you your said insurance. it. If it's valid in Texas, it's good. And um yeah, and, and but keep in mind it's a medical detox, so it has to be for alcohol, benzos, or opiates, and additional substances to those. Remember but that, ladies and gentlemen. That's just any detox, not just mine. Any detox, any detox, any detox in the world. To want- be medically necessary to meet criteria, the person must be uh, suffering from alcoholism or benzo or opiate addiction. All right, so what we're talking about today is how our lives, who our lives are so good. Our lives are so good that... I never imagined that a guy like me could have a life like I have today. I know, today. and I, was, I, I think that sometimes of like, it, the, the skeptic in me is kind of like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Right. <laughs> you know, because right. it's like, I'm married to a guy who's wonderful to me. Don't tell him that though. It'll boost his ego and that's not who, fair to who anybody. Who are we talking about? I work for an amazing company. I have wonderful team around me and above me and leadership. Yeah. Like my family likes me again. We have, <laughs> my we have children fellowship, are in my life. We have fellowship friends that are like family. family. We have church friends that are like family. Like, And I didn't know that was possible. I yeah. didn't even know that it existed. And it's not even, even the, all the externals, even though the externals are undesired blessings that God gives me for whatever reason. Today I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Okay. And and so even with these great things going on, you get something like a promotion. It's like, hey, that sounds great. Life is great. Nothing wrong. But what really happens is that in our daily lives, these things crop up. Yeah. Right? Fear, resentment, 
Mm-hmm. Right, they're going to crop up. Selfishness, dishonesty. How, well, how are we using these these tools? So, for right? anyone that's not familiar with twelve step world, what you're kind of setting the stage for is a tenth step. I, I think really 10, 11, 12, all True. three. It has to be all three, but yeah. I think that the beginning understanding is what we know as the 10th step, but the instructions for that is to continue as I go through my day, every day, to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear. And what we tell people typically is that it. if you can't identify that, look for a mood swing. Look mm-hmm. for an emotional swing, either to real high or real low. Right. Because once you get sober and you work these steps and you've been here for a bit— your emotions really stay around ground zero for the most part. So if you go real high, you go from zero to 20 up or zero to 20 down, okay, something's going on. I describe it as a pendulum swing, right? So yeah. if the pendulum should just be barely rocking back and forth without a whole lot of movement. Yeah. But if it swings one way, we'll call this arrogance or self-righteousness, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it can swing the other way to extreme depression, anxiety, self-pity, whatever, despair. And it can happen in a moment. It can happen in a moment. It can happen more slowly over time. But what I'm just saying is that if that pendulum hasn't got that balance, if I'm not in control of my emotional nature, something's off spiritually with me and I need to watch for that. And so the 12-step world gives us those four things, selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. But it says when these crop up, meaning they will. Right, on a when daily. When these crop up, yeah. right? The first thing I'm supposed to do is pray and ask God to remove it from me. I got to pause. I got to stop for a minute. So I recognize that I've had a mood swing. Maybe the boss pointed out something that I did wrong, mm-hmm. which... Here's how fast my brain moves. The boss is saying, hey, I want to see this presented in this way. And I go, cool. I understand exactly what you want. And I go back and I redo it. And I go, here it is. And I'm so proud. And she's like, like, nah, that's not what I mean. That's not what I'm looking for. It destroys you. In my mind, within a, a nanosecond, I've now thought, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not meant for this job, and they now know I'm a fraud. Okay, so that's a, a good scenario. I'll flip it and give another example. And like in our home life, when I know that like resentment crops up or whatever, it'll be something as simple as you left the air fryer dishes for me to wash again. And I'm like, bro, this guy just can't like wash his own dishes in my mind. And I'm like, wait a minute. If I pause, if I actually take a moment to pause and ask God to remove that from me, what God will show me is how crazy busy your day was and that I don't have to cook. I never cook. You got food for me prepared in the refrigerator for me to heat up. All I need to do is wash an air fryer dish tray. Like that's not that big a deal. But in my mind, my self-centered reflex to it was a big deal. Resentment. Yeah. Where I need to point it out to you and all that. Now, if I actually take that moment and pause and ask God to remove it from me, um, I generally start to see it in a different perception. And it's the same at work. So these people aren't angry with me. Um, they aren't telling me that... You weren't leaving me the air fryer dish just to mess with me that right. day. <laughs> and, and they're <laughs> not know? telling me that because I didn't present this in the way they want to see it or because I misunderstood it, that I'm totally not right for my job. Yeah. They just want to see it differently. And that's when I have to pause and go, okay, what's reality here? Mm-hmm. What's reality? Because my brain wants to go immediately to... Man, Friday at three o'clock, they're going to call me in an office. HR will be sitting there <laughs> and they're going to send me home for good. And even if that, so what I, here's another tool. Sometimes when a sponsee calls me or when I call my sponsor and I'm in fear about something, we play a game. This is going to sound like not a good game, but it actually is a good game. And so my sponsor will say, or I'll say to my sponsees, let's pretend worst case scenario does happen tomorrow. Does God got you or not? Let's pretend you do get fired. Let's pretend it. Let's pretend. Friday, I get fired. Okay. And it's like, what then? 
I'm going to do nothing for a few months. <laughs> I don't want to go back to work. I'm are really you, tired. Are you financially okay and responsible that you'd be okay for a few weeks till God offers you a new job somewhere? I mean, of course. Yeah. And that's that's that is the backdrop. I'm just that's saying a lot of times John in, used to tell in me that. people's minds the worst case scenario. Okay, role play that. Does God still not have you? Of so course he does. One of the one of the times that I called my current sponsor John, I called him up and I'm like, "Here's what's going on." And I had come home. It was like a Tuesday. And I came home and my entire chest hurt because of the, the I guess the muscles and the stress because I'd been so stressed you that day. You need to do some yogas with me. Um and I called John and I'm like, here's what's going on. And I don't know how to be a leader and I don't know what to do here. And he goes, well, hold on a minute. He goes, we practice these principles in all of our affairs. Mm-hmm. So what principles are you not practicing? Mm-hmm. Right. We started talking about the pause, asking for the next right thought or action. We talked about the fact that he goes, you're a leader now. He said, you have these men that you sit down and you sponsor and you're going to work the steps with them. Do you tell them what to do and then go do it no you you give them instructions and some sort of a timeline and they go do it how is this different from work carry that into your work And i think that kind of plays into the middle part of a tenth step where after i've prayed and i've paused and i've asked god to remove it then it tells me to discuss it with someone immediately and make amends quickly if i've harmed anyone right yeah and so that's the purpose of calling someone that you spiritually respect or like a mentor an advisor in your life or maybe a therapist or a doctor whatever that is for you but you call and explain to them the somebody scenario. you can be honest with someone you can be honest god with honest. not not your best friend that's going to co-sign no. Your crap, okay? The darkness got to come out. And so, but then this person said, tells me if I've harmed anyone so I can go make amends or not. The purpose of that call is not to vent. Right. There's no godliness in the venting. It's not to quote, air quote, process it like it's therapy. Here's what's on my mind. <laughs> Here's what, what do I do about it's it? It's looking for any mistakes I've made in this scenario. Yeah. And that person that I spiritually respect is going to point out to me any mistakes I've made in the scenario so I can go clean it up. It's a spiritual paradox yes. that anytime I am disturbed. The problem is me. Every time. And so then what do we do to finish up uh, that 10 step process? Go help someone. Go help someone. Yeah. That's the beauty of a spiritual way of life doesn't matter what spirituality religion it's is helping other people period yeah this is why i'm i've heard people say it in the rooms i'm so grateful to be an alcoholic and early in the early days i was like you were so full of it what a liar <laughs> but this is where i get it like normal people don't get the 12 steps we get the tools the spiritual gifts that we get by working this program and i think that when you and i are like fully in a 12-step world and we do sponsor and help people a lot and i think that there's just beauty in the altruism so i encourage you in your life wherever you're at today to find a way to give of yourself for someone else that's right and don't forget those who stand for nothing will fall for anything hashtag god though